0: Well, good morning. I just I got a confession. I just told Kara Loy, I said, I could have gone another 30 minutes. How about you guys? When the spirit is moving, you just want it to keep going. And as a, as a pastor, a wannabe preacher that I get to be today, you never want to be the one to mess it up. So here we go. Justin has taken us down this path of going through the book of Galatians, a letter to a church written many, many years ago, many thousands of years ago. And what I love about Paul's writing is Paul's writing in many ways is timeless. Because if you really think about some of the things that we deal with on an individual basis, if you think about some of the things that that you individually, that maybe no one else knows, when you walk through that in life, guess what? Paul probably wrote about it in such a way that God's word continues to change your life. Now these words that Paul writes to us today may not be written directly to us. There's no doubt as we've studied, as we've prayed, as we've sought the Lord on these, these words are for us. And so I wanna encourage you, the, the title of this message is maybe, it, it could be the one point that you need to hear today and that is simply this, you are no longer slaves. And we sang that song just a few minutes ago, we're no longer slaves to fear, I am a child of God. And if there's no other truth that you gotta get out of this morning, I'm okay if it's the title. I didn't write it. Justin did. You can give him credit. But the truth of the matter is that we sometimes, especially at the American church, can I pick on us for a little bit? I am American after all. Some of y'all thought I was Texan. Actually, I'm American first. But but we sometimes focus on the wrong things, enslaving ourselves to things that are not necessary, are not of the gospel, and not leading us to Jesus Christ. So this morning, I want to encourage you through Paul's words, not mine, Paul's. And I want to encourage you through time of prayer and time of study what God said about those words, that you are no longer a slave, but you are an adopted heir of the king of the world, the king of eternity, God the Father, the Almighty. To do that means we're going to have to go back two steps to the song that we just previously sang, and that is that you are going to have to make room. You're gonna to have to take what is going on in your life right now, and you're gonna to have to compartmentalize it, you're gonna to have to trash it, you're gonna to have to move it, you're gonna to have to do something so at the core of your being is whatever God wants it to be today. Because if we can't make room for the creator of the universe, then it's us that becomes the God. But if I can move my stuff out of the way and let the creator who knows me more intimately than any person in this world If I let him be the core of who I am, then it doesn't matter what I'm going through because I am an heir of the king. So let's pray together before we do it one more time. Father, would you just, would you take those words and let it be our anthem? Would you make room in our hearts so that at the core of who we are, the core of our existence is only you? Father, whatever we brought in this room, whatever we came with us, it doesn't matter right now. It's only just to be with you. So extend our time of worship as we read your word, your scriptures, your truths, and God, as Aaron prayed, will we forever be changed by this moment so when we walk out of this place, there's no denying that we've been with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Join me in Galatians chapter 3. Last week, Justin really charged, gave us a really great charge through the scriptures as we begin to think about that we are getting Jesus. We are getting Jesus in order to be saved, but we're not only getting Jesus to be saved, we're getting Jesus to be sent. And so part of our salvation is kind of a two-fold. We get Jesus for ourselves, but then we get the indwellment of the Holy Spirit to go out into the community, go out into our world and teach others about Jesus as well. How incredible that the God of the universe would give us a gift that can keep paying forward generation after generation after generation. And then the second half of that would really stuck with me is that we have to recognize that more people in this world have no clue who Jesus is than we give credit. We sometimes think, well, we are in the buckle of the Bible Belt, Lifeway Christian Resources should be like the buckle itself. It's here in Nashville. We're good, we are not good. We just happen to be under the shade of what God is trying to do in our city. And we don't need to sit in the shade, we need to continue to be the light. So for us, we need to get out of our little comfort zones. We've gotta get out of our umbrellas. We've gotta get out of our my situations and my my theories and my interpretations of scriptures, and we need to continue to share the light of the gospel, not for my sake, not for my glory, but only for the glory of God. So this morning, there's gonna be a two-sided tension to this. Do I pay attention to the law, or do I pay attention to the relationship that I have with Jesus? We're gonna continue this on because Paul's gonna keep this going for a few chapters. But it's important that we understand that there are multiple ways that we look at things and sometimes we pay too much attention to the letter of the law and we pay too little attention to the relationship that Jesus wants to have with us. So this morning, let's start in chapter three. We're gonna start in verse 23 and we're gonna kinda go at a, a little bit of section by section, that way we don't read everything and we'll finish up in chapter four. But in Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 through 25, the Bible that, that I'm reading says this, Before this faith came, we were confined under the law, imprisoned until the faith was revealed. Then, uh, the law then was our guardian until Christ, uh, so that we could, justify by, we could be justified by faith. But since that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for through faith you are all sons of God in Christ Jesus. Now what does that mean in seminary terms? I probably should have paid more attention, I'm just kidding. It means this, back in the the Old Testament when the law was given to us, when the law was given to the children of Israel, when the law was passed from generation to generation, the law was not God, the law was a guardian to see God. Some translations will say schoolmaster. The law was to teach you, to instruct you, to guide you. Some will say tutor so that when you didn't get things right, the tutor would come alongside you and shape you and make sure that you did get it right. So when the time came to pass the test, you passed the test, not by the skin of your teeth, but with flying colors. And so Paul is saying here that, hey, look, at the beginning of this, the law was existing to instruct us. Why do we pay attention to the Bible so much? Why, if you say the relationship with Jesus is so important, do we even pay attention to the Bible? Because the scriptures, the law, everything that Jesus has given to us through the Holy Bible shapes us and instructs us to make sure that we are free in that relationship, not confined or bogged down, not focused on the wrong thing, but we are focused on the the freedom and just the passion that Jesus has for us. We're focused on the eternity that God wants to give to us and we can see through this lens of Jesus Christ that we are indeed made perfect and made whole. We need to know the why, the what, the when and the where, but we don't need to make it our own God. Only God needs to be God. So Paul's telling this church, he says like, look, all these laws that are getting thrown at you, because remember in the previous chapters, the Judaizers and the Jews are coming in and they're saying, hey, you gotta do this and you gotta do this and you gotta do this and then you can be saved. And Paul's saying here in chapter three, hold on just a second. While the law is important, it's not the law that saves you, the law instructs you. Paul says in Romans, and Peter will say it later in his letters, you've got to be a good citizen, you've got to be a good good follower of the rules and laws. That's how you really win people to Christ is you you pay a, a huge contribution, you make an investment in society, they can see that you love them. But you don't make that the way to Jesus because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. We've got to make sure that the law only instructs us. It's a mirror. So the question becomes, how is the law instructing you? How is the law guiding you in your faith? Are you letting God's word, are you letting God's scripture instruct you how to worship and cultivate that relationship with God? So when we come in here, we're not focused on the tempo and the loudness and the the style, we're not focused on anything else other than the truth of the worship. And we focus on the spirit of what God is leading us to as we come and we say, man, God, make room. All my religion, make it go away because I don't care about religion. I do care about the relationship. I don't don't wanna be a slave to fear or anything else. I wanna be a child of God. The law that God gives to us through scripture allows us to understand what that means and why it's important to worship. I've said it a number of times in in a couple groups that I'm a part of. You look at the 10 Commandments. Everybody, I mean, you at least know that the 10 Commandments exist, right? This is yes, this is no, this is like, I have no clue what you're talking about. So in those, in those 10 Commandments, there are four of them, the top four, the first four, that all it's all about your relationship with God, how you're to worship, how you're to treat God, the, the significance and the importance of having that relationship with God. You get those first four down, then any law you put in front of me it doesn't matter because I'm focused on those four. And the byproduct of my relationship with God will take care of whatever else I've got going with me. But somewhere along the way, the church got it a little lopsided. To be a good follower of God, you must do all these rules, and you must do them all perfectly. And God's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, my relationship with you is primary, and I will teach you the rest secondary. So for some of us right now, you need to make room for God where you are less worried about the traditions and you're less worried about the religion and you're less worried about what it looks like. And the only thing that you're focused on is what your relationship is with God. All the other stuff is just trivial. Some of it will pass and go and you'll look back on one day and be like, I don't even know what I was worried about that. I don't even know why I was mad about that. I don't even know why I cared. But that relationship with God will stick with you for eternity how heartbreaking it would be if we would do, if we become what Jesus said is gonna happen. And prayerfully, not anybody in this room, but it's possible. We'll walk up to the threshold of heaven and we'll like, man, we're, we're getting in, we're going in, this is gonna be awesome. And God says, whoa. Jesus says, hey, you're gonna have to depart. But Jesus, I was there. I followed the law. I mean, the, I was perfect in everything I did, and I did it to the best of my ability. And, man, I was a giver, and I was a, a teacher, and I was, I was this, and I was that. And he's like, that's great. But I never knew you. And how brokenhearted that be, person will be to now go somewhere else. The law is not meant to save you. The law is meant to guide you, to instruct you. What is about the thing is about Jesus saying the, the, the law, if anything else, solidifies our need for a savior. It shows me that I can't do it on my own. I can't do it by myself. There is nothing, there are no points, there is no system in place where I can earn my way into heaven, it's only through that relationship with Jesus Christ. And I gotta be honest with you, can we have a moment of transparency? It's only on YouTube, no worries that it's gonna go out to millions upon millions of people. As a Christian leader, I've been so consumed in my 20 plus years of ministry, I've been consumed with informing you versus helping you become transformed. Let me say that again. I myself have been guilty, and sometimes even here at the fellowship, I have been more consumed with making sure that you are informed than guiding you and helping you and assisting you to become transformed. Do you know the difference? If I inform you, I wrote this down because I was like, man, God, that's a good point. I gotta do it. If I inform you, I will only help you become a more moral person. You will know the law. You will understand it. You will follow it. You will be perfect, but you will totally miss Jesus. But if I guide you, and notice I didn't say if I transform you, because I can't transform you. I can only guide you. The Holy Spirit is here to transform us. I can only guide you into that relationship. I can only guide you so far. You have to then make a conscious choice to be obedient to whatever the Spirit leads and become transformed. So it's very intentional. I say I can only help you become transformed because I can guide you, I can teach you, I can instruct you, but you need to become transformed so that you become a disciple of Jesus Christ, a daughter, son of the most high. Because I don't want you to die and go to, go to hell eternally because you are a moral person. I want you to become a transformed disciple of Jesus Christ that even if you mess up all the time because of that growth in relationship, Jesus welcomes you and says, well done my good and faithful servant. I want you, I want our church, I want our community to be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as a pastor of an American church, I gotta admit, I'm sorry. I believe God's calling us, especially over these last few years, it's not to inform, but it's to transform. So if you're engaged in a ministry, if you're engaged in a life group, if you're engaged in, in some type of ministry here at our church, it doesn't matter what you're doing, even those that just open the doors and greet and smile, how are you, through what God has called you to do, helping transform people for the gospel of Jesus Christ? The law will instruct you on what you're supposed to do. That's why the law exists. God's primary way of dealing with us is never through performance requirements. God's way is, it was, and it always will be through the promise of blessing in response to our faith that we place in Jesus Christ. And if we fail to get that, then we'll fail at this next one. And the the second point is that Jesus brings us together as one. The law is to bring us together as one. We're under one blood. We're under one family. We are one church. We are supposed to be one. I don't care what side of the tracks you came from. It doesn't matter what your skin color is. It doesn't matter what your past is. When we come under the grace and the mercy and the salvation of Jesus Christ, we come together as one. So let's, keep, let's pick it up in verse, or chapter three, verse 26. For through faith, you are all sons of God in Jesus Christ. Now I say that as long as the heir is a child, he differs in no way from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. Instead, he's under guardians and trustees until the time is set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, we in slavery under the elements of this world, but when the time came for completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might, be, we might receive adoption as sons. Paul goes on to say it a different way in Romans, not on your screen, but just listen to this. Paul says, he says, you see just the right time when we were still powerless, God, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely would anyone die for, a righteous, die for a righteous person, though a good person, some might say possibly dare to die, but God demonstrates his love for us in this way, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let's go back to the scriptures real quick in Galatians chapter three. I wanna point something out. I want you to notice the the pronoun. If we can bring those scriptures back up for me, specifically when we get to verse three. Keep going back just a little bit. Notice the pronoun. We'll come back one more. We. We. Is that significant to you? It should be, it's not they, it's not just you, it's we. That pronoun is a unifier. That means if you can hear the sound of my voice, whether you're in this room or digitally online, we are all together on this one. When you think about this world, when you start thinking about when, man, does the gospel really relate to this group of people? Do, do I, am I supposed to take the gospel of this group of people? We, are supposed to take the gospel we is an important pronoun that you cannot miss the jews considered themselves better than they were trying to elevate themselves and higher up saying look hey this law is for you guys i mean we've been following this our whole life so what paul is telling us is for you not only do i think that i'm better than you but i also think that you are a dog you are less than me How many of people in an American church, don't don't think about the, the New Testament church here, think about the American church. How many people have walked into a door of any church, ours included, when they walked out those doors, they were like, you know what? They treated me like I was less than. They treated me like I wasn't important. They don't even know who I am. Paul is saying, look, church family, you cannot say that one is good and one is bad. We are in this together. The, the gut check for me this morning was this point, are we guilty of caring, tradition, caring about traditions and carrying them, carrying them from one generation to the next? Are we carrying them more as important than a relationship with Jesus Christ? Do we fall susceptible to this? Do we alienate people because we deem them to be less important? And I love what one of the commentators said, I wanna read it to you. Our commonality as human beings is not our goodness. Our commonality is our bondage to sin. Do you know what makes us the same as any person in this world is because we 're all sinners we've all we 've all fallen short of god 's glory it 's not our goodness it 's our bondage to sin. but you know what the other side of that coin is? The common hope that we all have is Jesus Christ so if you 're in there and you 're in the room and, and you're struggling you 're like you know what i 'm not as polished as that person and Man, I don't know if, if, I, if I love Jesus in the same intensity, in the same way, and I just don't know if, if I'm as good as someone else. Let me tell you something, Jesus didn't come and start picking out and putting in categories like an episode out of Mean Girls. He came and said, you know what, I have come for every single person. I am going to be the equalizer. So at my table will be many nationalities. At my table will be many demographics. At my table will be many people that come from many different backgrounds because I came for all. So if we, church family, will get that our responsibility in our community is that we would take the gospel into Donaldson, Hermitage, and Old Hickory, and parts of Nashville, and Mount Juliet, and Antioch, and wherever you come from, if we would carry the gospel, then no matter what happens at this place, revival will begin to spark in Middle Tennessee, maybe around the world. Because a group of people were so passionate, they figured out that we are one. God brings us together, the law brings us together, Jesus is the great glue that binds us all together. We are one. And we want to make sure that we stay one. Because this next point is probably one of the most important things today, that through Jesus Christ, we become heirs We become heirs who inherit eternal life and invest or have the opportunity to invest in others. Picking up in chapter four, verse six. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. You are no longer a slave, but you are God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. In Jewish culture and, and even in, in early Gentile culture, there's some very significant ch- coming of age happenings. You have bar mitzvah that happens between, for a Jewish boy between the ages of 12 and 13. A bat mitzvah that happens for a Jewish girl between ages 12 and 13. And the toga varialis, I can't say that correctly, virilis that happens for a Gentile at 18. These are significant coming of age moments where it's almost like an accountability, like now you become an adult. Some of you that have 12 and 13-year-olds are like, maybe not. (laughs) But you know what our coming of age is for us? When people give their life to Jesus Christ. Let me ask you something. How desperate are you that more people would come to know Jesus Christ? Don't don't answer just yet. Because I know some of you are like, oh yes, absolutely. Because the next question is, then what are you doing to help it happen? If we are so passionate, so passionate about seeing people move from death to life, if we're so passionate about moving people that don't know who God is, to knowing Jesus on a a personal level, and God so intimately that we could say, Abba, Father, 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 then what are we doing? And why aren't we doing it? The time for worrying about the, what used to be is over. The time for just playing church is over. It's time for the church to be the church. It's time for us to do the things, and and not just like, man, we had a great sermon, that's great. We, we, We need to say, man, what a great savior that just told me everything that I need to know this week. What a great savior that is bringing people from death to life. What a great savior that when I couldn't save myself, he said, here's a doorway, come through it, I got you. What a great savior, and then we are so passionate. The byproduct is that no one in this world goes without hearing about Jesus Christ. No one. Sky, you don't know some of my coworkers. You don't understand the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't understand what some of them been through. You also are shortchanging the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if we're passionate, if we love them, if we care for them, we won't focus on making them moral people, we'll focus on getting them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul later on is like, why am I pouring myself out if you're not gonna get this? It's not about what you do, it's about whose you are. Man, we need some more Jesus in our lives. Are we so comfortable in just attending and consuming and taking our own inheritance that we don't, we never, we, we rarely ever seek to invest it in someone else? Justin asked this question. And I don't have it in here, but I do remember it very plainly on his notes. What more convincing do you need? What more convincing do I need? Man, we're just gonna let that sit for a minute. Same power that holds this very planet, tossed out the stars and put them in place, created the world, has gotten you through some of the darkest days of your life. That same power through Jesus Christ can rest right here. Not here, here. And then the beautiful thing is God doesn't want it to stay here, he wants to share it through here to anyone that will listen. Heirs of God invest wisely in the present age and the generation that comes next. We have a saying in ministry, it is work myself out of a job. You ask Aaron, he's heard it. You ask John, we've told him a few times. You ask Justin, we hear it. Our job is to equip the saints for ministry, therefore work ourselves out of a job. What do we need to do to equip you, to change you, to convince you that God's spirit is powerful? Because think about this, as we begin to wrap up, I wanna, if we truly embrace, we truly did embrace, that we are adopted children of God. Can we just, let's pause just for five seconds. Wrap your mind around that I am an inherit, inherited child. I'm a, I'm a child of God. I'm adopted. Wrap that around your mind for just a second. For some of you, that's easy because you were adopted or you have adopted children or you know people, you know people that have adopted children. You know the, you know the feeling. But for some of us, you gotta remind yourself what God has done is he has taken his name and he has placed it on your life. And there's nothing that can separate us from God anymore. He has adopted you, he is fighting for you. Sometimes he's fighting with you and you are just too stubborn to see it. By the way, that was directed at myself. But you are just so stubborn, like you, God saying, chill out, relax, I got this. Callie I bought Callie t-shirt it just says trust God and chill because that's what we need to do we need to stop trying to fix it for God and let God build inside of us so if we embrace that here's your takeaways and really questions for you to ask yourself if I really embraced being an adopted son or daughter of God how would my prayer life change The nature of your prayer life right now may be very trivial. But what if you just really like, man, I am a child of God, I have full access, the widest open door possible to God right now because I am his and he is mine, and man, we have this beautiful relationship, then nothing is off limits. That doesn't mean God's gonna give you everything. That doesn't mean God's gonna do every bidding that you ask for, but that door is so wide open God is able to speak, you are able to listen. Sometimes you are able to speak and God is able to listen, but you're in his presence. The God of the universe wants to sit down and have a conversation with you. How incredible our prayer life would change if we would stop with the whole like, "Um, I don't know if this is a good time and you're a busy guy and there's some moral problems over here. He is that good. He can juggle, he can spin plates, he can do whatever, he can multitask better than anybody. He has time for you, spend time with him. Do you have concerns? He has answers. Do you have the need for doors to open? Guess what, he has all the keys. Or he has a big foot that can just kick it open. I mean, whatever God wants to do. I'm I'm not gonna tell him what to do. Do you have praises? Well, he's ready to celebrate. Oh man, he's ready to celebrate. Second thing is, and I think many of us struggle with this. Imagine if you truly embraced that adoption as God's son, how would it change your sense of self-worth? If anything in American culture struggles with, self-worth seems to be that. I mean, we have all these filters for our pictures on social media. We have all these self-help books that have taken over our bookstores and Amazon stores. We have all these things that we have to tell ourselves, man, we are good, we are good. I'm telling you right now, God says you're good. You don't need us, I will save you 59 95 on your next book. God loves you, God has saved you, God is here for you, and you don't have to question if anybody else likes you because God does. God will put people in your life that will enforce it and just, man, he will, he will surround you. But your sense of self-worth is not even a question anymore. The world is no longer our indicator for how valuable we are. If you struggle with that, I want you to write that down on a side margin and you personalize it. The world is no longer the indicator for how valuable I am. If you are wrestling with people, they, man, I wish they would pay attention to me more. Man, I really wish that she would care for me more. Man, I wish that somebody would actually pay attention to what I've got going on because I feel invisible. Man, I don't know if I could ever do it. I'm not smart enough, I'm not good enough. This is not gonna happen, I'm not the best. Stop it. You are a child of God, and he loves you, and you are so valuable. Listen to this. You are so valuable to God that he sent his son to die for you. Anybody else in the world done that for you? That's how valuable you are. I think it's it's time we give God a little more credit for how much he actually cares about us. Sorry, that's a little too much. Your value is not at what you do, but whose you are. And where people, where people can change their feelings at the drop of a hat, God's feelings for you will never change. Isn't that, a good news? Isn't that good news? So this afternoon, if you hit your hand with a hammer and you say a word or two, guess what? God still loves you. You go on spring break and it's not the best week of your life or not the one that you were hoping for, guess what? God's, God's feelings don't change for you. If we had to wear masks for the rest of our life, guess what? God's feelings don't change for us. The third thing is this, our ministry to other changes around us. Imagine, imagine, oh my gosh, imagine how our ministry around this community would change if we realized that not only we're God's family, but he's gifted us the ability to go get more for the family. And how incredible it would be that we can take a message like Justin gave to us last week and we wouldn't be like, I'm scared. And we'd be like, all right, where are we going? Let's go. Because that's what happened last week. Some of you came to me and are like, I don't know what's gonna happen here, is this gonna be okay? And then some of you are like, hey, I'm ready to go today. And the meter needs to move toward that so that when we're ready to go and we, we know exactly what God is calling us to do, we gone. The church has left the building. Imagine our ministry, once we have a true taste of God's love for us, we need to share that. Oh man, do we need to share it. When our hearts are in tune and our bodies are in step with God, then everyone will get to hear about Jesus. Paul writes it this way in Romans 12, 5. In the same way that we who are many in one body in Christ, uh, in the same way we who are, many, who are one body in Christ, individual ministry, individual, individual members of one another, I am codependent with you. And together, our codependency makes us a strong body in Jesus Christ. You're no longer a slave. You're a son or daughter of the Most High. It's time that we embrace that so that we live not in a sense of bondage but in a sense of freedom. Let's pray together. This morning, some of you may say, you know what, I'm I'm living in that bondage, whether it's self-inflicted or I've done something, and I just don't know about this. Then let me encourage you with this. For once, a, for once, many days, many years ago, there was one sacrifice that took care of everything. And that was the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on, on the cross. So if you walk in and you say, man, you don't know what I've done. Let me introduce you to what Jesus has done. And Jesus has paid the penalty for you. Embrace it. And let him change your life. Don't be a slave to man's law. Don't be a slave to a moral code. Be free through relationship with Jesus. For those of us that have been in church for a while, I mean, like, man, I really, I probably paid a little more attention to tradition and how things were. I'm a good Baptist, and we do things the same way for every generation. It's time for us to embrace that God is calling us just to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit calls us to do the same things over and over, that's fine, but that's gonna be led by the Holy Spirit. But if the call, the call of the Holy Spirit leads us to change, then let's go. Let's don't question it, let's don't fight it. Let's just do whatever the Holy Spirit leads. And all of us in here, I think, is, is it's an opportunity this morning. Whether you sit there at your seat or you come and kneel socially distance, of course, And you say, God, I want to lay something in front of you because I've become a slave to it. And you called me to not be a slave, but an heir, a child of God. I want to be free. Sit at your seat. Sit on your couch right there at home. Maybe you come find just a corner and you kneel and you say, God, no more. I don't want to be a slave to this anymore. I want to be free. And I believe the power of the Holy Spirit wants to begin to work. Father God, I know that we've run a little long today and that's okay, but God, would you... And in, in this time of response as we worship, whether we stand or we sit or we kneel, whether we sing or we're silent, would you speak to us? So Father, if we're in here and we say, hey, we're, we're absent of that relationship. You, you wanna adopt me? I need to get to know you. Father, I pray those individuals would come and seek out either myself or some others on staff or friends around them. God, that we would just totally embrace that relationship Father, other thing's holding us back and we've been maybe focused on the wrong things and and maybe we just need to be transformed by the gospel. God, we would confess that to you today so that when we walk out of here, our mentality is whatever the gospel says, that's what I'll do. Whatever the Holy Spirit says to go, I'll go. But God, this response time, let it be yours, let it be for you and because of you and all the glory is given to you. How we are grateful for Paul and his words today. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your sacrifice, for your gift, for your encouragement through Paul's words today. That through you, we are not just a number in the kingdom. We are an adoptive son or daughter. We are heirs of the king. We praise you for that this morning. Thank you. May we live it so other people can know you as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.